Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Welcome back. Legacy Nashville Church family. I am so excited to be with you for the fourth and final installment of Psalm 91. Have you enjoyed this Bible study or what? To be honest with you, I have never even preached like this to our church body. I think there was a time where I did some similar studies maybe 10 years ago with uh, my parents and their church up in Kentucky. But this has been a really wonderful, really unique experience for me, and I pray it has been for you as well. So I want to say thanks for tuning in and jumping back into Psalm 91. We are going to dive headfirst into the final four, four verses of Scripture for Psalm 91. So go ahead Grab your Bibles, let's do what we've been doing for the last four weeks, and let's read the entirety of Psalm chapter 91. I don't know if you've been blessed by this, but just reading this whole chapter over and over, it's just churning in my spirit. This has been so good. It's like life uh, to me, and I pray it is to you as well. So get your Bible out or get your YouVersion app, and we're going to read Psalm 91 all together. All right, you ready? Hey. Go ahead, stand up where you are if you want to. Let's engage our spirit, engage our mind. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And we just say from the very beginning, we step into that shadow. This is where we're going to start, church. We're stepping into that shadow. We're declaring that everything that God has to speak to us through Psalm 91 today we are protected and we are hidden in him to receive it all. Everybody say, all of it. Yes, in Jesus' name, verse 2, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You can just shout that out right now. Come on, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. We trust you, Abba. Verse 3, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. No trap, no plague will uh, attack you and keep you down. God says he will deliver you. Verse 4, he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is as a shield and a buckler. You are protected under his wings. You are protected under his feathers and you are protected from all angles by all kinds of shields. That's the Lord's protection over you. Verse 5, you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that, that wastes at noonday. None of those fears are your portion. Verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. What will you see instead? You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Somebody say, pay back, cha-ching, let's go. Verse 9, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. Have you acknowledged your guardian angels today? You know, thank you, Lord. 
for giving us the angels to guard us in all of our ways. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. I don't know where my guardian angel was about 2 a.m. in the morning when I got up to go to the bathroom because I stepped on one of my kids' Legos. So I don't know where this passage applies. Lord, we, we need your help here, okay? We need some help. Verse 13, you will tread on the lion and the adder. Here's where we're picking up today. And the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot because he holds fast to me in love because, remember that, because, there's quite a few of those in 91, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and, get this, honor him. God wants to honor you, church. With, lo with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Are you guys ready? We're going to do the, the final four verses. It's going to start with verse 13, and we're going to go to verse 16. Can we zoom in, just zoom in on those Four verses of scripture. Just for a moment, we're going to reread them. I'm going to give you the subject, and then we're going to pray. All right? Four, final four. The final, there was no March Madness this year. All right? We, we couldn't have it. But here today, church, is the final four verses of, and they are good. They're, they're not just like kind of good, like they're real good. All right? Final four verses of scripture. Verse 13 You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. That's pretty epic right there. Lions and snakes just taking them out. This is awesome. Verse 14, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. It's amazing what the byproducts of holding fast to God in love is as well as knowing the name of God. Because we hold fast, we cling to God in intimacy and because we know God's name as a result of our intimacy, what do we get? We get deliverance and we get protection. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and I will honor him with long life. How many of you want long life? Amen. Me too. With long life. This is a promise from the Lord. You shall be satisfied. I like that word, satisfied. And show him my Salvation. Whose salvation? The salvation of the Lord. With those final four verses of Scripture, guys, we have completed Psalm 91. So let's dive in here to verse 13 and let's go line upon line, precept upon precept, as the Bible says, and let's get a little bit more revelation of God's truth in our spirit. So the subject of these final four verses of Scripture is this. This is the title, the last message. It is the crown of the connected. Come on, church, say that with me. The crown of the connected. This is like the, the, the jewel, the icing on the cake. This is the finisher. This is the crown of the connected. What are the benefits of you 
as a son, as a daughter, somebody who is connected to Jesus in love. What are the results of that? That's what Psalm 91 talks about. So, Lord, we just pray today in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you that the name of Jesus is above every other name. We thank you that Jesus is the great physician. We thank you that Jesus consistently brings a good report God, we thank you that Jesus is the glory of God. We thank you that the gospel isn't just a text, but the gospel is a person, Lord. We thank you, God, that we get to stake our claim. We get to stand upon the truth of the person of Jesus. We're, we're, it's not a belief system. It's not a dogma. It's not a faith confession. All of those things can be good in their appropriate context, Lord, but we are standing upon the living, the breathing, the resurrected person of Jesus Christ who is standing right here, who is within me and within the people who are watching today so that we can receive the fullness of everything that God has stored up for this day in history. Lord, we pray and declare everything you have for us, bring it on. We want it. We're hungry for it. We're thirsty for it. We're ready for it. God, baptize us afresh today in our living rooms. We want more of Jesus. Jesus, we love you and bless you and thank you for the inspiration of Psalm 91, the divine inspiration of Psalm 91. So we open our hearts to receive it today in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's start with verse 13, church. It says this, You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Here's the guarantee of God. No foe shall defeat you. Here, how, how, does that, how does that sound for you? This is God's promise to you. No foe, no enemy, no matter how good the team, you win every time. Isn't that amazing that God lets us play the game? I, you, you guys know I love sports, so I think about sports analogies all the time. I love to, 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 to compete and play games, basketball. I love to play basketball, right? But the game is already decided. The game is already finished. The scoreboard is already fixed. We just get to enjoy trampling on the enemy. Whether it be a lion, whether it be a snake, it doesn't matter. The size of our foe doesn't matter. God gives us the good pleasure of trampling on our enemy and bringing him glory. God is guaranteeing here that we are going to trample as well as triumph over every single enemy that comes against us, no matter their size, no matter their shape, no matter the authority that they claim to have. It doesn't matter. We're going to win. Okay? So somebody just say right now, doesn't matter. I win. Right? And, and Mama Heidi talks about this often. If you don't quit, you win. You know why? Because the game's already been decided. So just stay engaged, all right? Doesn't matter how big the enemy is, you win. Now let's think about the enemies, though, that the Bible mentions here. It talks about, it talks about lions and it talks about snakes. And so the first, the first animal is the lion, right? I, I don't know about you, but the lion is probably the last animal that I would want to come in contact with in the wild, right? They are aggressive, they are confrontational. They are massive. Lions are huge. I know because uh, my, my, my parents, they've been to South Africa multiple times. They've been on safaris. They've taken, I mean, these are gargantuan animals, right? These are not animals you want to meet in the wild. Uh, they're aggressive. Like I said, they're confrontational. They're in-your-face uh, type of creatures. And out of all of the animals, out of all the animals to come into conflict with, I, I, I think that 
that, the, that, that a hungry lion would probably be one of the most dangerous, right? So that's not really an enemy that I would want to face. But God guarantees that it does not matter if the attack coming against you right now is similar to the attack of a roaring, mighty, hungry, aggressive, in-your-face lion in the natural. It doesn't matter. If that's what the attack against your life feels like right now, here's God's promise to you. You will defeat that lion. You will defeat that enemy. It can be big. It can be aggressive. You will win. You are not the victim. You will not be the victim. You will be the victor. That is God's promise over your life. Don't believe me? Ask Daniel, right? How about Daniel the prophet? How about the moment in which he was sentenced to face an enemy which was a hungry, mighty, aggressive, confrontational, roaring, massive lion? Ask Daniel. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, and what happened? The lion was trampled underfoot, right? That, isn't that awesome? How about David? Why don't we uh, go back and why don't we ask David? In, in God's preparation season of David's life, he uh, slew a, a, a lion, a tiger, a bear, oh my, right? We know that David took out a lion in preparation to take out the giant Goliath of Gath to set the, the nation free, right? So even if the enemy coming against you right now uh, seems to be like a roaring mighty lion, take heart. God is going to prepare you as you slay that enemy. It does not matter how big your enemy is, you will triumph over it. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Now inversely, this verse of scripture also talks about the serpent, and it's a pretty good contrast if you think about it because over here you've got this massive roaring lion, right? And then over, over here you've got this small slithering uh, secret moving in the shadows type of a serpent, right? And so when we think about serpents, we think about them being like a veiled predator that moves under rocks and, 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 and shadows. And instead of being so aggressive, the serpent is a little bit more strategic, right? Like they wait on that right moment uh, to strike. And you'd likely hear or at least see like a massive lying approaching, whereas on the other hand, you may get distracted, you may fall asleep, you may not hear a serpent approaching. And so it may be much more mischievous. It may come under the cover of night. It may stab you in the back. It may bite you when you're not looking, that sort of spiritual attack. But it does not matter how crafty the attack of the enemy. It does not matter how venomous the bite of the enemy. It will not take you out. God says that you will step down, that you will trample upon the head of the serpent. That is your in inheritance. Don't believe me? Just as we asked Daniel and David about the lion, how about we rewind the tape and ask Paul about the serpent? Can you guys remember when Paul was on that mission trip? He got out uh, of the water. He was, he was a little cold, so he decided to make himself a campfire. He was putting together uh, the wood and preparing to light the fire. And what happened? A serpent jumped out of the campfire and bit him on the arm, a venomous serpent. What did he do? He shook the serpent off into the fire. It got burnt off, uh, and he continued to go about his father's business as usual. God does not consider the power of your enemy. 
God does not consider the size of your enemy. God does not con con consider the scheme of the enemy. God does not consider the style of the enemy's attack. None of these things matter. It could be an aggressive lion or a venomous cobra. It does not matter. The enemy's ability is of no concern to God. Let me say that again. You got to get this. Your enemy's ability is of no concern to God. It doesn't matter. In fact, in many ways, the bigger the enemy, the more glory you get to give to God when you defeat it. It, it, the, the greater the attack, my pastor used to say it like this, the greater the attack. I can't say how he said it, but he would say, the greater the attack, the greater the anointing. Hallelujah. Right? And I, I love that. I would get everybody shouting. And it's true because the bigger uh, the, the size of the enemy, the more glory you get to give to God whenever you stomp on its head, when you shake it off into the fire, when it roars in your face and you take a nap like uh, Daniel did, or whenever uh, it steps up to confront your family and you take it out as David did. That is your calling, to trample, to tread on the enemy, no matter the size. You are anointed to trample the enemy. All right, guys, I have a declaration here for you just to get started. So I want you to declare this. Declare this. I am the head, I am not the tail. I am anointed by God to win. No matter the enemy's style or strategy, he is already finished. I am the victor. Why? Because God says so. And that's all there is to it. Verse 14. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. This is why you get to have fun and enjoy trampling upon the head of the lion and the serpent. Because, the Bible says, you hold fast to God in love. And as a result of being in love with God, being connected to God, hiding yourself in God's presence, allowing God's presence to become your protection, acknowledging, developing an awareness of God's presence because you've chosen to live a life like this, because you, church, have chosen to be a presence people, because you're clinging to God in love, God promises you deliverance. Triumphing over the enemy is God's guarantee to anyone that stays connected to him in prayer. Let me say that again. Triumphing over the enemy is God's guarantee to anyone that stays connected to him in prayer. If you don't know what to do right now, just keep praying. If you're in the attack of your life, just keep praying. If you're in the storm of the century, just keep praying. So long as you will stay connected to God in prayer, God's guarantee remains tangible, functioning, and powerful in your life, which is God's promise of deliverance. So somebody say from the lazy boy, stay connected. And after that, say, while you're in the kitchen, can you get me a refill of coffee? In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I know sometimes we'd like to think that because of our great strength, and because of our amazing ability, or perhaps because of our unshakable focus, that we are able to deliver ourselves. But this is so far from the truth, church. Our victories don't come from our abilities. Our victories come from our connection. Let me say that one again as well, please. Our victories do not come from our abilities. They come from our connection. There is nothing about you in your natural state, in your natural strength, with your natural ability that's going to give you the power to defeat 
Snakes and lions, enemies of, uh, uh, of, of different styles and, and sizes. It is going to be your connection that causes you to triumph. It's going to be your intimacy. It's going to be you clinging to God in love. The reason that you are victorious, church, is because you know the victor on a first name basis. Despite all of your frailties, despite all of my imperfections, God has chosen you and I as his special possession. And for that reason and for that reason alone, we will forever be champions so have no fear of defeat, church. The battle is already finished. Let's make another declaration for verse 14. I know where my help comes from, from no one but God. He is my very present help in times of trouble. I am not self-reliant. I am God-dependent. Because I am connected to him in prayer, I am always victorious in Jesus name somebody shout amen we got just a little bit here left to go it says I will protect him because he knows my name once again we see all throughout Psalm 91 God is promising us protection why is that once again it is because we know him now the know him is is not just an acquaintance right you guys have heard me talk about this before but once again that word know in the Hebrew is the word yada right it is an experiential fellowship right it's not just relationship it's fellowship this is a really good time uh, to delineate between relationship and fellowship. I can have a relationship with somebody from a distance simply by communicating with them, but I cannot have a connection with them, not a real, vibrant, life-giving, heart-on-heart, soul-on-soul type of connection, what is the, which is the Hebrew word knowing, the experiential knowing, right? Without fellowship. And if we will maintain our unbroken fellowship with the Holy Spirit because we know Him, these are the results. These are the byproducts. God's protection is the byproduct of our intimacy. So be reminded of that again in this, uh, these final four verses. You, God's presence is your protection in Jesus' name. So um, one of the things that I've noticed is that we go through a lot more, uh, a lot more warfare than we actually realize. Okay, so I say notice because sometimes I notice it in my own life, sometimes in others. But we probably go through so much more than we realize. It's just that when we're focused on God, we don't have any attention span for the enemy. And so God just protects us from the attack. Have you ever noticed this? That when you tend to uh, have the hardest seasons of your life, uh, they tend to be the seasons that you feel disconnected from God. They're the seasons you're, you're not practicing God's presence. You're not aware of where God is in your life. You're not consistently praying. You're not consistently wielding that sword like we talked about on Sunday, right? And those seem to be the hard seasons. You know, honestly, I don't necessarily know that those are the only storms in life that we actually go through. I don't necessarily know that those are the only battles that we go through. Uh, but I do think that when we are locked in and engaged with the presence, we go through battles, we just don't notice them. We just, we just don't sense them. We don't see them. You know why? Because we're too busy being caught up. We're too busy focusing on the Lord. We're too busy looking in the face of Jesus. We're too busy looking for the presence of God that we don't have any time to notice the battles. And so, see, this is part of the key here, church. 
Be so occupied with the presence so that you don't even notice the warfare, okay? Some people are going through warfare every time you turn around. Like every week they come to church and there's another spiritual assignment that is against them. You are paying too much attention to warfare. I'm not saying you don't go through it, but before you uh, start focusing on the attack that the enemy is bringing against you uh, now or in the future, why don't you focus on the presence of God that is happening in your present and what Jesus has accomplished for you on the cross in your past. That is where our attention needs to go because when we cling to him and our focus is on knowing his name, our focus is on fellowship, not just an acquaintance type relationship. When our focus is on that yada experiential uh, type of fellowship, here's what's guaranteed. Your protection in Jesus' name. Verse 15, when he calls to me, I will answer him. This is a wonderful reminder, saints. Presence people never get the silent treatment. You need to remember this. A presence person, a dweller, somebody who chooses to remain prayerful, somebody who chooses to continue to acknowledge the presence of God in their life never receives the silent treatment from their amazingly awesome father. Every single time that you call out to God, God promises that he will answer you. You're going to go through tough times. You're going to suffer. All of that's right there in the Bible. Jesus told us those things would happen. There's going to be storms that hit very close to home. There's going to be sickness that happens in our house. Yeah, look, that's the nature of living in a fallen world. We believe that, that none of this shall come near us, of course, and that is the promise of God. But if there ever is anything ever uh, that you suffer as a trial of, li- of this life, right? We, 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 don't, we don't live in the New Jerusalem quite yet. We go through bad stuff, right? Jesus did. We should expect that. When we have these type of experiences, all we have to do is cry out to God. That's all we have to do. All we have to do is, is cry aloud to God. We just have to say, God, I'm calling you. I'm calling you forth. And here's the guarantee of God. God will always answer us. Here's another declaration for you for verse 15. My God is unwavering in faithfulness. He loves to show up for me and he loves to speak to me. I hear him clearly. Somebody needs to make that declaration today. I hear him clearly because I know him intimately. I hear him clearly because I know him intimately. Anytime I call out, he's right there, no matter how severe the storm. Amen, amen, amen. You know, what's interesting is that God knows the storm that we're in, right? Like, do you think that in the, in the bow of the boat, when Jesus was napping, when that storm was going on around the disciples, do you think that he was not getting wet? Right? He, like, he was, he, was, he was in that boat. That boat was moving around. There was a tempest, the Bible says, that arose. The, the winds are roaring. Uh, the storm has come in. The, the waters are raging. Like, Jesus is sound asleep in the bow of the boat. He, he has to know Uh, that the disciples are in a storm, but he didn't wake up until when? Until the disciples called out to him. See, as as long as the storm has your focus, it's almost as if Jesus can be right here next to you, but there's no power happening for you because you're not calling out to him. You might be calling everybody on your favorites list. You might be watching the news 24-7. You might be looking at everything you don't need to look at and that doesn't really deserve your undivided attention. But what you need to do is call out to Jesus. He's right there with you. He's right in your boat. And guess what? He has the power and the authority to rebuke storms. So when you experience a storm, call out to him. He's going to answer you. Here's the next part. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and I will honor him. We need God most. 
I mean, excuse me, anytime we need God the most is when he's with us uh, the closest and the quickest. It's kind of like the Beatitudes, right? Like, um, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, right? Like, like, it's when we need God most, like he seems to be right there so fast. He's always right there. And Hebrews 13 and 5 says, for God has said, I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. God's always going to be present with you. No matter the storm, he's present. Not only is he present, church, but he's also powerful. He doesn't just tend to us in our mess, but he delivers us from the mess altogether. And then after it's all over, God says this, now, son, now, daughter, I'm going to honor you. Did you catch that there? Because that really doesn't make sense. We are going to receive the honor for God's victory in our battle. What? Are, are, are you getting that? Like, we're in battle because the enemy says, I'm going to come against this person with, with, with an attack, right? God says, let me step in. He deals with the attack. He, he allows us to triumph and trample over the enemy. And then when it's all said and done, despite him doing all the work, he lets us receive all kinds of honor. Look at God, man. I mean, this is incredible. He chooses to fight our battles for us, but then gives us the honor that he alone deserves. Psalm 45 says he's crowned the Son of Man with glory and with honor. That same glory and that same honor, which is, is kind of a, uh, the same word, by the way. It's the word kabod. It's, it's the weight. It's the heaviness. It's, it's God's glory. And he freely gives, gives that to us as the victor, despite the fact that he's the one that has won the battle. Uh, it, it, this is crazy, man. I, I cannot believe that the test that the enemy uses to take you out is the same test that God will use to promote you. Somebody, somebody has to get that right now. The, the test of the enemy that is meant to take you out is the test that God's going to use to promote you. So when you look back at the testing of your life, know that the testing and the trial, uh, it wasn't just a test from the enemy. It was a promotion from God because you leveled up. You got a greater capacity. You could steward more. You could hold more. You became stronger. You became more faith-filled. You became more courageous. And that's what's going to happen through this season as well, through the whole COVID-19, uh, all the chaos. Listen, you're going to level up, church. 2020 is still the year that the dreams are going to come true. Dreams already have come true for so many people. And dreams are going to continue to come true uh, for you. That is the word of the Lord in Jesus' name. Uh, Genesis uh, 50, 20 said, you intended to harm me, talking about the enemy. But God intended it for good uh, to accomplish what is now being done. Get this, the saving of many lives. That's right. Your story is not just for you. It's for all those around you. It's for those who are here. It's for those who experience. It will bring breakthrough in their lives as well. Another declaration for you. And then we have one more verse. God promises that all things will work out for my good because I know him and love him. The greater the enemy's attack, the greater my reward. God is attentive to all my needs. He is a devoted father. He always responds, rescues, and rewards me because I am his. All right, let's end here. Verse 16. I won't go along with this verse. It's actually pretty simple. It's pretty direct. It's, it's right to the point. With long life, I will satisfy him and I will show him my salvation. This is a great promise for any presence person out there. That God promises you that you will live a long and a satisfied life. Very simply put, just a plain reading of scripture, that means you won't die quickly. And I need to be that simple, all right, right now because I know so many people uh, have been tempted by the enemy to imagine the worst case scenario 
which is this thing's going to happen to you and then you're going to die, right? I mean, that's where it always goes. The enemy comes to kill. He comes to steal. He comes to destroy. And that's where he wants to preoccupy your mind. But the, but the Lord says just the opposite, is that you're going to be satisfied with a long life. This is God's plan for you, to be satisfied with a long life and to be satisfied with a full life. He wants to do that for you because he wants to show you the reward of your salvation in him. And this church is the experience that we must begin to expect to see. We must expect to be satisfied. How does that, how does that make you feel today? How does that, how does that hit your heart today? I know how it does for me. I get excited. I get filled with so much joy when I hear these words that God wants to satisfy me. God wants to fulfill me. I even looked up the word satisfy in the original language. It's, it's, it's likened unto being full after a really great meal. I don't know who doesn't love that feeling. Isn't that like the best feeling? Like I just think about that moment. Like when I push back the plate, I recline at the table and, uh, you know, somebody's bringing like creme brulee to the, t- you know, isn't that just the best? Like you're right there. You got, you know, I got my wife and, and, you know, you got friends or family, you got your kids and there's just that satisfaction. Like, like, I don't, I don't know many more things more satisfying. All right. That, that's, that's a, that is a good, uh, that's good feels right there. Right. Yeah. It's like, this is the best. God wants to satisfy you. Long life in his presence, long life under his protection, long life with his glory, long life with his honor. You know why? Because you are his kid, you are his son, you are his daughter, and he is well pleased in you. He longs to protect you. One more declaration as we're finishing. I will live and not die. God has so many plans for my life. He has prepared so many wonderful, so many wonderful works for me to do and so many beautiful things for me to see. I receive his abundant life a long and a satisfying life. I pray and declare that my life matters, and that's the truth. My life makes a difference. I will fulfill my purpose and leave an incredible legacy. Now, as we're leaving today, Legacy Church, please allow me to bless you. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 through 26 says, The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Lord, we just rest under your peace today. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that we're presence dwellers. We thank you that peace is our portion and we have received the peace that surpasses all understanding. So Lord, we don't think through things with the rational mind right now. We take upon ourselves the mind of Christ, which is our inheritance. We plead the blood of Jesus over our physical bodies. We plead the blood of Jesus over our kids. We release and we receive your great favor. The light of your face, Lord, we receive and we thank you for it. God, we thank you for the salvation that you told us we would see. We thank you for the health, for the vitality, for the life that you told us that we would experience and be satisfied by. So we choose to take up that position right now in the kingdom of Jesus to be satisfied with God's salvation. Lord, we bless you and we thank you that we get the opportunity to cling to you in intimacy, that we know your name, that we really know you, that we're not just acquaintances, God, but we're in fellowship with you. Lord, we thank you 
that we get to be a part of a family that values your presence in the way that this community does. You're front and center, Lord. You're VIP. You're the one that our hearts go after. Lord, we love you. We bless you. We thank you. Wherever you are right now, just acknowledge the presence of Jesus. That presence, church, is your protection. And this is the crown that you get to wear because of your connection. Love you guys. Bless you guys. Cannot wait to see you so, so soon. See ya. Thanks for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.